Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The Oscar nominations are out, and as usual, people are hollering, so let's holler together right now. Hello, everybody. My name's Dan Merle, here with my breakdown of this year's nominations for the Academy Awards. Not a lot of surprises as far as who was nominated, but certainly some omissions as far as who did not make the cut. I've been saying it from the beginning. The pool this year wasn't necessarily very deep, but there was a lot of talent there, which means it was hard to cut these things down to five spots. I do have to give the Academy points for brevity. This is a very expedient nominations announcement, which, you know, at 5.30 in the morning Pacific time, I'm sure a lot of people appreciated. There was a brief introduction from Academy President Janet Yang with what I'm assuming was an unintentional reference to three-time Oscar-nominated film, The Truman Show. Good morning from Los Angeles. And for those who are watching around the world, good afternoon and good evening. And then Zazie Beetz and Jack Quaid came out and just announced the nominees. And this is what I want. A nice, fun, breezy nominations. None of this extra stuff they've been adding. It was over in 15, 20 minutes. That's great. Nobody needs anything more than that. So the big takeaway headline is Oppenheimer, which led all movies with 13 nominations, one shy of the all-time record. And it's also the movie that pretty much met expectations. I don't think there was one single category in which Oppenheimer was expected to be nominated and wasn't nominated. Poor Things actually came in with the second most nominations with 11, followed by Killers of the Flower Moon with 10, and then Barbie, which had eight nominations. That's impressive for any film. However, I think it was a bit short of where a lot of people, including myself, had Barbie coming into the morning. Another movie that kind of surprised me was American Fiction. I knew it would be nominated in a few different categories, or at least I suspected that it would, but its five nominations was a bit of an overperformance from where some people were projecting it would end up. The big headlines as far as people that weren't nominated were Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. Greta Gerwig not nominated for Best Director, Margot Robbie not nominated for Best Actress, although it should be noted she is still an Oscar nominee this year as a producer of Barbie, but this was something that some people saw coming. I'll talk about how insider Oscar reporting isn't always what it's cracked up to be, but one little piece of information that was floating around ahead of nominations, I covered it on my news show last week, was that Barbie was perhaps not the awards juggernaut that many people thought it was going to be, that the Academy wasn't quite as in love with it as some groups, particularly critics groups, have been going into the awards season, and that ends up being the case here. Although it scored a couple of surprise nominations in other categories, the omission from the directing and the lead actress race, really both of those were a surprise to me. One or the other wouldn't necessarily have surprised me too much, but both of them not getting nominated, that was a surprise, and we'll talk about them as we get to their individual categories. But let's look at some of those categories one by one. I'm not going to go over every single nominee, but let's hit a few with some of my thoughts on who did and did not make the cut. 
In the live action short category, usually not one that makes a lot of headlines, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar did get the nomination, which means that Wes Anderson will be vying for an Academy Award in that category. However, we do not get the too many people expected throwdown between two beloved art house directors in this category because Pedro Almodovar's Strange Way of Life did not get nominated. The best original song category is one where most people expected Barbie to take two spots, and it did for I'm Just Ken and What Was I Made For? Although I have to say still, Dance the Night is a banger. I, ah, I wish that had been nominated. Wajaji, a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon, was a surprise nominee, especially over Lenny Kravitz's Road to Freedom. And then Diane Warren was nominated for the 15th time and the seventh year in a row for her song from the now Oscar-nominated film Flamin' Hot, which means that the gods have been appeased yet again. You see, for the last decades, it's sort of a Cabin in the Woods type situation. If Diane Warren isn't nominated for the Best Original Song Academy Award every year, the gods will spring up from underneath the earth and destroy us all. So she has to send sheet music out to everybody in the Academy in order to ensure that she has a nomination. She did indeed secure that nomination, and the earth is safe for one more year. In the Best Original Score race, American Fiction is a bit of a surprise here, but I guess I should never be surprised that the Academy nominated John Williams because that's what they do for his score for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's John Williams' 54th Oscar nomination, extending his own record. He's also the oldest ever Oscar nominee at 91 years old. That also extends a record. And these are all great scores, but I am sad that Daniel Pemberton's score for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse didn't make the cut. Quite frankly, I would have put it into this category ahead of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I love John Williams, but I really think that Across the Spider-Verse score was something special, and I'm sad to not see it nominated here. In the Best Feature Documentary race, three films that were considered frontrunners, American Symphony, Beyond Utopia, and still a Michael J. Fox movie, were all overlooked. The film To Kill a Tiger is the real surprise here. And the Best Documentary category has always been the Wild Wild West. It seems to be the category where there's always some frontrunner or some surprise nominee, but to have three that were expected to be nominated not make the cut is somewhat surprising. You never quite know what the documentary branch is going to do. In the international feature race, Io Capitano, Perfect Day, Society of the Snow, The Teacher's Lounge, and The Zone of Interest made the cut. 20 Days in Mariupol's documentary nomination might have translated, you would think, to a nod here, but it didn't get it. Fallen Leaves was thought to be a frontrunner. It didn't make it. And France's selection for Best International Feature, The Taste of Things, was not nominated. That was the film that it chose to submit ahead of Anatomy of a Fall in this category. Each country can only submit one film, which means that its choice to not pick Anatomy of a Fall not only cost it a definite Academy Award nomination for Best International Film, but quite possibly a win. That would have been a real throwdown between Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest for the Best International film Oscar right now barring some sort of an upset which these things happen all the time it now seems to be the zone of interest Oscar to lose in the adapted screenplay category we had American fiction Barbie Oppenheimer poor things and the zone of interest interesting that there was no nomination for killers of the flower moon for Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese I have friends who read the book and actually did not think that it was a very good adaptation of that book so perhaps that sentiment spilled over to the Academy Barbie's in Inclusion here is interesting. Remember, it was originally thought to be eligible in the original screenplay category, but by Academy rules, it had to get switched over to the adapted category. Honestly, I would have nominated Greta Gerwig's direction 
over Barbie's screenplay, but the Academy felt differently. In the original screenplay category, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives made the cut. There was no nomination for Saltburn in this category or in any other category. And if you remember last week, there had been real talk from Oscar insiders that had talked to their Academy contacts that Saltburn was playing very strongly with the Academy and that people should really be on the lookout for that movie to surprise not just in one or two categories, but in multiple categories. Well, it turns out that the Academy was not feeling the burn at all. It did not get any Oscar nominations. And that's just a reminder to everybody, including myself, that while Academy Insider reporting can sometimes reflect the thoughts of the Academy, other times it absolutely does not because you can't really tell from a few different people what the Academy is going to do. It was correct in the sense that the Academy support for Barbie was weaker than expected, but it was absolutely incorrect in the late surge for Saltburn. In the animated feature race, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and Robot Dreams made the list. And it seems like every year there's a movie that makes people go, huh? This year it's Robot Dreams, a surprise nominee from Spanish director Pablo Berger. And Robot Dreams takes the place of other high-profile films that were perhaps expected, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Suzume, even the Super Mario Brothers movie, or Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. But hey, you know, I'm all for international animation competing for the Oscar as well, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing Robot Dreams, which is a movie, quite frankly, I don't know if I ever would have watched if it hadn't been nominated for an Academy Award. In the Best Production Design category, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things made the cut, and I was honestly surprised that Napoleon made it into the Best Production Design category over Asteroid City, which I thought would have been my winner, honestly, if I were the Academy and I got to pick the winners. Not to say that Napoleon was a bad-looking film. Actually, the technical aspect of the movie I thought was by far the strongest aspect. I just thought that the production design in Asteroid City was next level. In the film editing category, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things were nominated. Barbie not nominated in this category, seemingly in favor of movies like Anatomy of a Fall and The Holdovers. And quite frankly, I'm all right with this. Sometimes best editing means most editing, but I like the fact that a movie like Anatomy of a Fall, which is so reliant on how it's edited, actually does make this list over, I think, more obviously edited films and not poorly edited films like Barbie. It's nice that subtlety sometimes makes the cut here. In the best sound category, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest join the creator as Oscar nominees. As a fan of the creator, it's nice to see that film in the mix here. And also The Zone of Interest being in the mix here is great because the sound is such an important element of that film. And again, it's less obvious perhaps than some of the bigger, more bombastic movies that the Academy could have nominated in this category, but they recognize the effect of the sound not just the sound effects, as it were. And so I'm happy that that is also acknowledged here. In the visual effects category, there were a couple things I was happy about. Guardians Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Napoleon made the list. But the creator picked up a second Oscar nomination here, which is great. And then Godzilla Minus One, able to now put Oscar nominee on its resume. I think that the creator and Godzilla Minus One are great choices to be there because they both show what is possible in the realm of special effects when you don't have a 100 
$100 million budget, not to disrespect the work that was done on those other movies, but I love that there is an inclusion there for some really what I thought were groundbreaking visual effects done on movies that didn't have an unlimited effects budget. I also am a big fan of Godzilla Minus One, as I am with the creator, and it's nice that they are both sort of immortalized in that Academy canon. They can now say that they are Oscar-nominated films, and that's great. In the best cinematography race, El Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things made the cut. El Conde is the surprise here, not because it doesn't have prestige. It's from director Pablo Lorraine, who's directed Oscar-nominated films before, but because it's a Netflix movie that sort of came and went very quickly. I actually didn't watch it when it hit Netflix. It was on my list, but it just sort of slipped down the list. I try to watch every single Oscar nominee in every category if I can every year. So this is another movie that is going to get put on our radar and that I'm going to watch because of the Oscar nominations, and I think this is a great function of the Academy Awards. They can get people to watch movies via their recognition of those movies in various categories that perhaps they wouldn't have watched otherwise for all the people say about the fact that it's a meaningless horse race, and to a large extent it is. One of the essential functions of the Oscars is to give exposure to movies. Some of them, like Barbie and Oppenheimer, don't need that exposure, but other ones, like Robot Dreams and Okande, could benefit from that exposure and will as people seek them out. We have a lot more to cover for this year's Oscar nominations, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Stamps.com. Award season is always fun because things are so hard to predict. Who will get nominated? Who will win? But one thing is predictable for 2024, which is that postage costs will go up yet again. But you can offset those increases with Stamps.com, which offers crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. Stamps.com is your own personal post office wherever you are. All you need is a computer and printer and taking care of orders on the go is super easy with the Stamps.com mobile app. And it's not just postage, you can also get shipping and mailing supplies, labels, and even printers from the Stamps.com supply store. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. That's why for more than 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over 1 million businesses. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL. All right, let's get into the acting categories now. And these were categories in which I made predictions. So we'll see not only who was nominated, but how I did with my predictions. First, let's start with Best Supporting Actress. The nominees were Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, Jodie Foster for Nyad, Divine Joy Randolph, the frontrunner for The Holdovers. And then, oh, I wish I hadn't changed my prediction. America Ferreira for Barbie rounds out the category. She was my upset pick for that fifth spot, but I believed all this talk, all this hype about Saltburn playing well with the Academy, and at the last minute before I recorded my prediction show, I switched out America Ferreira for Rosamund Pike. If I hadn't done that, I would have been five for five on my predictions for Best Supporting Actress, but I listened to the chatter. Again, it's a great lesson for me to not listen to the hype and to go with my gut when it comes to predicting these things. I just felt like America Ferreira, that's the scene in the movie that people think of, and I think that a lot of Oscar voters were also thinking of that scene when they sat down to fill out their ballots. It is really, and nothing, no disrespect to 
her work in the rest of the movie, but this nomination is for that one scene. And for a lot of people that are saying that because Ryan Gosling was nominated, but that Margot Robbie wasn't nominated and Greta Gerwig wasn't nominated, that it's some sort of a disrespect to the message of Barbie. I would also counter that America Ferreira is nominated and she delivered the message of Barbie in that one scene. So there is some recognition from the Academy on the power of the message in the film. It's just not reflected in every single category. As far as who wasn't nominated, Penelope Cruz for Ferrari, despite the SAG Award nomination, didn't make the cut. Julianne Moore for May December. Many people thought that she would make her way in there. Taraji P. Henson for The Color Purple, not nominated. And then Sandra Huller for The Zone of Interest. Some people were hoping for a double nomination for her, but she didn't make the cut in the Supporting Actress category. Let's look now at Best Supporting Actor, which was the first category announced. The nominees were Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. And I am happy to say that I was actually five for five on my picks, including the prediction that Sterling K. Brown would pick up that nomination for American Fiction. He wasn't necessarily a favorite to make the cut. I just felt like the Academy might lean a bit more towards American fiction than some people had thought. Not nominated were Willem Dafoe for Poor Things. A lot of people thought that neither Ruffalo nor Dafoe would be nominated, but Ruffalo did end up making the cut. Charles Melton for May December wasn't nominated, and that hurts only because I think that performance is so good. And had it been nominated, I think that it would have driven more people to see his work in that film. So since this will probably be the last time that performance is brought up in the context of award season, I would like to make one last push for people to watch May, December, and I think specifically, as great as Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore are, for Charles Melton's performance. It is one of my favorite performances of last year, and the fact that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar should not be a reflection on its quality. It is exceptional work. Also not nominated, and a lot of people were rooting for him, Dominic Sessa for The Holdovers, and we'll talk about this in the director category as well. While the Academy did seem to enjoy The Holdovers, its support wasn't overwhelming. Moving on to the Best Actress race, the nominees were Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I was four out of five on my picks for this category. I had Margot Robbie in the place where Annette Benning is nominated, and I'm still quite shocked that she didn't make the cut. I think I may be more shocked that Margot Robbie didn't make the cut than I am that Greta Gerwig didn't make the cut, simply because the movie revolved around her character. All the other characters revolved around her character. So Robbie not making the cut for her acting was maybe my biggest shocker of the day. And again, it's not to say that anyone that is nominated is undeserving. I actually sat down and watched Nyad uh, about a week ago, and Annette Bening is very good in it. Jodie Foster is also very good in it. It's just not exactly what I would have predicted going into the Academy Awards. Greta Lee would have been great to see in this category, and I talked about the fact that there were, I think, six or seven exceptional performances that were all vying for five spots, but the Academy just didn't seem to fall in love with Pat's lives quite as much as they did with Anatomy of a Fall in the Zone of Interest, and I think that would be why Sandra Huller is in this category and Greta Lee is not. 
In the Best Actor race, the nominees were Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Again, I was five for five on my picks for this category. I predicted all five nominees. Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon was not the automatic pick that many thought he would be. And then Andrew Scott and Barry Keoghan had what appeared to be late surges for All of Us Strangers and Saltburn that didn't quite pan out. Again, I think that the love for both of those movies is deep, but they just couldn't quite break through into the what I think were entrenched front runners in the best actor race. In the best director race, we have Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. I was four out of five on my picks for this category. I did predict Greta Gerwig, despite what some people were saying, to get that nomination for best director. Again, like I said, I think that I would have nominated her directing over Barbie's screenplay just because she was able to build this world. And I thought that the acting all around was fantastic. And there was such a, a vision. And that was because she co-wrote the screenplay. But also, I think, because she was at the helm and was able to create such a unique world. Uh, and something that was, I think, wholly unexpected from something that a lot of people thought they knew what to expect from. I was surprised that she wasn't there. I'm somewhat disappointed that she wasn't there. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard for me to argue against anybody that was nominated. The one thing I am glad to see is that Justin Trier did make the cut for a couple of reasons. Number one, because Anatomy of a Fall was one of my favorite movies of last year, and she did a fantastic job directing it. But I'm also glad that she's in this category because it means the Academy did not overlook women in general, because some of the best movies of this past year Past Lives, Anatomy of a Fall, for many people, Barbie, were directed by women. So while it's disappointing to perhaps not have Greta Gerwig there, at least Justine Trier made the cut, and I think that it really would have been a bigger injustice if in a year with so many great films directed by women, all of the nominees had been men. Alexander Payne not being nominated for The Holdovers gives me a little bit of pause as to that movie's overall strength with the Academy. Some have been moving to push for The Holdovers as a upset Best Picture pick, to say it could come in and surprise Oppenheimer to win Best Picture. Alexander Payne not being in the directing race and Dominic Sessa not getting the supporting actor nod, to me says that while the movie may play strongly to the Academy, that Oppenheimer is still the entrenched frontrunner, especially when it comes to Best Picture. If Payne had been here and Sessa had been in the acting race, then maybe I would buy into this Holdovers upset strategy, but as for me right now, I don't see any threat to Oppenheimer's status as the front runner. Finally, a little Oscar history. Martin Scorsese's 10th Oscar nomination for directing makes him the most nominated living director. I believe he passed Steven Spielberg. So that's great for Marty, and I hope he's got a few more movies left to give us. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. All right, let's get now to Best Picture. These were the 10 films that were selected to compete for the biggest prize at the Academy Awards. And the nominees are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, 
Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I went nine out of 10 on my predictions for best picture. I did think that the color purple might grab one of those spots because I thought it might've had support from the actor's branch. The zone of interest was probably the smarter pick. And had I picked that, I would have gone 10 out of 10, but you never really know. Hindsight's 2020 on all of these things. Not really any surprises in this best picture race. I guess the surprise would be that there are no surprises, no across the spider verse or a movie like air kind of sweeping in to get a surprise best picture nomination. These were pretty much the nominees as expected. And again, this is a great set of movies. This is top to bottom, I think, one of the strongest slates of Best Picture contenders we've had. But I also just don't see one of these movies right now unless the momentum shifts mightily taking the frontrunner status away from Oppenheimer. Now, because it's the frontrunner, there's always a campaign as the Oscar season goes on to diminish it and to elevate another film to frontrunner status. That's just how Oscar campaigning works. I think it's a lock between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti for best actor. I would still give Killian Murphy right now the edge. We'll see what happens with the SAG Awards. That's going to be really instructive, more so than I think Critics Awards, as far as what the Academy is thinking. But I do think that especially in picture and direct, Director, it's hard to foresee anybody upsetting Oppenheimer, but it's early. The Academy Awards are still weeks away, and it is a very long season. We've had several races before. At this time last year, it seemed like Kate Blanchett was locked in to win Best Actress, and it ended up going home with Michelle Yeoh. So I will keep tracking the Oscar race, and I'll keep my ear to the ground, and we'll see what happens as we go through the Guild Awards. But yeah, overall, I think a strong crop of nominees this year. Some surprising exclusions, but every time you have a strong year, not everybody can get one of those Academy Award nominations. And I don't really see a whole lot of uh, miscarriages of justice like I have in other years where it's just like, how could they not nominate this performance? No Delroy Lindo being shut out for the Five Bloods, for example, which I thought was absolutely criminal on the case of the Academy Awards or on the part of the Academy Awards. We didn't really have anything like that this year. I think we just had a lot of great work and too few slots to recognize that great work. What did you think, though? What were the nominees that surprised you? What do you wish had been nominated that wasn't there? Let me know down in the comments below. And thank you so much for spending part of your day here with me. Charts with Dan will be up tomorrow. I'm working on a special feature for that one to make it a little bit more evergreen and not quite as tied into the rather slow box office weekend that we just had. And of course, stay tuned right here for the latest movie news, reviews, awards season news, all of that stuff. Thank you so much for watching. Until next, time stay safe and i'll see you then Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town my hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count. Guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.